Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Hey, a couple things coming up with Blue Water Climate Control that is going to be of interest to you. You need to schedule a spring heating and air tune-up with Blue Water Climate Control. And if you do that between now and the spring game, your name will be entered into a drawing to win two Vol passes. That's two tickets to all eight Tennessee home games this fall. Refer a friend and increase your chances to win as well. The drawing will be held April the 26th. You can call Blue Water Climate Control at 865-299-2290, or you can go to their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com, to schedule today. Again, schedule a spring heating and air tune-up, and you're going to be registered to win two tickets for all the Tennessee home games coming up this fall. But you want to jump on that quickly because that drawing is going to be held on April the 26th. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price and Brent Hubs, glad to have you along with us. And we're going to jump right into the old mailbag questions here. And right out of the gate, who are a few players you're excited to hear about through spring practice under the new staff? And what do you think will be a few bumps this staff will have to go through in order to get the program offense, in particular, running like Josh Heupel wants it to run? All right, Austin, I'll start with you. Give me a couple of guys you're excited to see in spring practice or curious about. Uh, offensively, um, I'd go with any of those, you know, soon to be sophomore wide receivers. Um, you know, I'm excited to see Caden Salter, see what he looks like. I know he's not the biggest kid in the world, so I do worry about durability um, a little bit. Um, but I do think he could uh, have uh, a kind of an extra gear that, you know, maybe the other guys don't have. Interested to see Hendon Hooker defensively. I, I want to see what Isaac Washington has in spring. You know, I mean, you know, a defensive lineman that I think, you know, could be really pretty good, um, you know, uh, you know, when, when Tennessee starts to figure things out on defense. As far as bumps in the road, I, I think just finding their quarterback, whoever that is. You know, I, ultimately, you know, if you have four, you have none. <laughs> like they need to find one. And, and no, no matter who that is, find a guy that they feel like can lead the offense and, and make plays. Rob Lewis, throw a couple guys at me. Throw me your bumps in the road. Any, I mean, I think anybody that follows this team is curious about the, the – like AP said, the crop of sophomore wide receivers. I mean, I want to see, are there really some playmakers there? Is Malachi Wideman a guy that, that, that can help you? Is, is Holiday, you know, what what can Hypo do with him? I mean, can he make him, you know, install some gimmicks and to use some of his skill sets? Callaway, I mean, I think we all, do, all know, already know Jalen Hyatt can play. But, all, but those, on offense, those – once you step outside the office of quarterback, there just seems to be a lot of intriguing talent at wide out. And I don't know if we'll get a final answer this spring, but I'd like to know if that's real or just, you know, perception from recruiting. But I think all those guys are, are really exciting. Defensively, what do they do at linebacker? It, to me, is just, you know, the, the most obvious question mark. And, you know, can a guy like Tyler Barron – really step up and emerge. I mean, I think we've talked about for a couple of years. I mean, since Daryl since Taylor left, who can who can rush pressure the quarterback on this defense? I mean, is Tyler that guy? Does somebody over there emerge in that role? Yeah, for me, defensively, I, I think it's a couple of guys. Where does McDonald play? Where does Bryson Eason play? Two guys who I think can help this team if they can find a position for them. Where's the best fit for them in this defense? In terms of uh, bumps that this staff's going to have to take, I think it's just can they get this group of offensive guys to really execute this offense at the pace that they want to they want it to execute at. They they all act like, um, it, you know, it's going to be easy to learn. It's not going to take just a minute to basically learn it. 
how realistic is that and, and where is that at? So um, I, I think that's the biggest bump in the road for me is just can they execute this thing at the high pace that they talk about it being played at? I'll add to this too. We don't, I don't know. I think it's a small bump in the road, but how quickly can they take these kids that they're not sure what they will start them at a certain position, but they may have them in mind for another spot. How quickly can they kind of either say, okay, yeah, that kid is that position or, Hey, we're moving you. We want to see what you look like there. Cause I, I think the the quicker you can get some of those things settled, I think the easier the transition. Yeah. I think that's a great point. How, how fast do you find some of those guys at home? All right, on to the next one. I'm aware this is a way too early question. You always like it when they put that qualifier out there. <laughs> if you had to put a Who's guess. Who's going to be the starting quarterback in 2027? <laughs> if you had to put a guess on record, what's the biggest change Josh Heupel will make between – I can't answer this question. The biggest change he'll make between year one and year two, firing an assistant coach, giving up offensive play calling, renovating – it's not going to be renovating the weight room. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but as for the other stuff, I don't – I mean, let's see what year one looks like. I got no idea what year two – heck, in this program, let's just make sure everybody gets to year two, right, Austin? Who asked this question? Uh, that was a question by Nuval1618. All right, let's move on to Bassmaster Ball here. Who are the top uh, targets at running back? Are we making up any ground with Hayden, Horton, Miller, or Brown? Austin Price? Well – I guess he's talking about Anthony Brown. I mean, I mean, I think Anthony Brown's a, a good player, not great. I mean, I know Alabama offered him. I don't think he would be a take at Alabama, though. I mean, that, to me, that was one of those token offers. Um, you know, I, I think they've made up some ground with, with Dallin Hayden, but I, they still trail. But, again, this is a marathon, not a sprint for him because he's not doing anything until he can take visits, unlike some of these other kids who I think, you know, by just after Tennessee spring game, could decide one way or the other on the balls and, and go in a different direction or come here, you know. But uh, I, with Dallin, you have more time. You have at least another month. Because, I mean, like, I, and I think if they opened things up in June and he could take official visits, I think he would officially visit Tennessee in June. I think he'd officially visit Ohio State in June, Notre Dame in June. I mean, I think he would start rolling them in. Um, you know, as far as the other running backs, I, I think that the Robinson kid from Mississippi is probably a bit of a reach, but Tennessee's definitely swinging there. Uh, Tennessee's trying to be a bigger player in Mississippi. Let's face it. They can't really go back into Alabama right now after, you know, some of the way that that thing went south there, um, you know, with, with Rock Taylor and so on and so forth. You know, Tennessee's always going to recruit Georgia. I think they need to get out of the state of Florida. That's my take. I think that's the take of others over there in the building. But some of those coaches have ties, so they feel like they ought to swing down there. But you really look at it, Tennessee's best players from the state of Florida, Corey Vereen, Kurt Majid, you know, some of the some of those top players were just good, you know, average to good players. They weren't top-end guys. You can find similar players in states closer. I think Tennessee's got to be a bigger player in North Carolina than they're being right now. I think they would like to be, but I think it's a down year. And the fact that, you know, Tennessee's kind of a, you know, in, in a weird spot makes it tough for them to pull kids in i think they should be a bigger player for even the three or four players in the state of kentucky um that that, that are power five type guys so um you know as far as running backs you know to me it's it's the same crop that you've been looking at um the, the austin kid from georgia is another one they like um but you know they really want to be a player for a lot of these these, these running backs we've talked about AP, why, why are kids in such a rush, do you think, this year when, when I mean, they have, nobody's taken a visit in over a year and, and the, it's getting ready to get lifted, you know, you would think in the summer. Well, I mean, I just, I, well, I don't know. But, but you go back and like kind of your thought process this whole time is, is I'll have to see it to believe it. 
because they keep pushing it back and they keep pushing it back. Well, all these schools that are having success are telling these kids, they're not going to open it May 31st. They were going to open it April 15th. They didn't do it. They pushed it back. They're going to keep pushing it back. So there's this, to me, like these kids are kind of buying into this, that it's not going to open up, better get a spot before they get left behind, you know, and, and that's kind of where it's at. And let's face it, Tennessee has no juice in recruiting and that's nobody's fault. That's not Josh Heupel's fault. That's not anybody on the staff's fault. It is what it is. Tennessee has got to find ways to be innovative. They've got to find ways to be different. And right now, kids can't come to you and you can't go to the kids. So it's kind of hard to manufacture juice, which is why Tennessee's got to find a way to get some of these in-state kids to see the dream and kind of buy into, you know, what Tennessee's selling. So you think the big boys are using it to using COVID to, to their advantage? Like yeah. More so than they usually would. It's like part of their strategy, like, yeah, I, I think don't, yeah. I, I think I think in certain ways, and then I think that people around the kids are are you know, hey, you know, you, you need to get in. But I think mostly it's it's I don't even think it's necessarily head coaches. I think it's more the position coaches that are recruiting areas. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And um, now, if they open it up, it could make for a, a wild swing in terms of some decommitments and things like that. This summer, if guys are allowed to take visits, so you never saw that huge range of decommits last year because they never really, they never opened it up. Yeah, they never got any visits. Everybody thought that was going to happen, but there was never any visits allowed. I think the other thing, from a recruiting area standpoint, does this staff work um, the northern states more? Obviously, you've got some ties to the, to Michigan and Detroit. You've got some ties up the, the eastern seaboard a little bit. Do do they work that area more? Uh, than we've seen Tennessee work at the last few years. Obviously, Tennessee tried, and we're making some grounds with Joe Osavat. He's no longer here. Do they continue to push up Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey up that way? I think there's no doubt they do. Um, you know, I, I, Tennessee's been in contact with Jimmy Scott, you know, the one-time Vol commit who decommitted, um, you know, and, and you know, he's been on the phone with Mike Eckler. Um, they're going to continue to recruit, I think, Ohio. And, I mean, again – you're, you're going to end up taking some guys that like Ohio state wouldn't take if you get into that world. But, you know, I, I do think that to me, like going to Ohio makes more sense than going to Florida outside of saying you could get some of that Florida speed. I mean, I, I think that if you're going to go to Florida, you better go and get some little jitterbug guys that maybe be a touch undersized, but they can run, you know, if you're trying to go down there and take linemen and stuff like that, I, I just, that's not ever had a good history for Tennessee. And Tennessee has had some history up in the Northeast. I mean, back in uh, – I mean, Tur not – you know, in Phillips later year. Sean Baker, Turk McBride. I mean, it's not – Martin yeah. Jones was a solid player. Not Maybe yeah. not a great player, but he was a solid player from up there. Uh, I, I just wonder if that's where – if Tennessee doesn't go that direction and, and try to recruit up there. Uh, more than just spot recruiting, maybe a little more heavy recruiting up there. We'll see. All right, on to the next one. From a, from a position – from a positive perspective, excuse me, what feels different this time around with this staff? Well, I, listen, right now it's all window dressing. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I thought Rodney Garner said it best. You know, it's a bottom line business. That's how you'd be evaluated. Uh, I think the biggest difference right now is you've had some access. You've had an opportunity to, to, to although it's via Zoom, at least hear from these guys and, and meet with these guys. And you know, that's not always been the case with previous staffs, not just Jeremy Pruitt's. I mean, you go back to Derek Dooley, he didn't talk to anybody after he was hired for two months before he let any assistant talk. And Josh Heupel knows that he needs to get some juice out there and, and get some branding out there. And so 
I think that's the biggest difference right now is he's allowed his staff to talk and, you know, Rob, that creates a little bit of a positive buzz because as a fan, you get to see what these guys are about and you get to see kind of what he's surrounded himself with. Yeah. But I, I don't think there's any downside to that. And I don't understand why some head coaches are so restrictive in that regard. I mean, I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I mean people- Again, we used to watch scrimmages and get stats afterwards. And it didn't hurt anybody. It didn't hurt Tennessee's on the field. Yeah, I mean, you think, I mean they, the last 10 years have been absolute trash. I mean, has, has the limited access, you know, helped the program in any way? I don't think so. Here's the other thing, too, that I will say is positive. And it's not probably not talked about a, a ton um, across the board. We've talked about it a little bit here. I think the recruiting staff that he's put together, Austin, is a positive compared to other recruiting staffs because it's got ties to Tennessee to understand how to recruit to Tennessee and ties to the state of Tennessee. I do think that's an area where he has, Josh Heupel has done well out of the gate with his recruiting staff. Well, your defensive, you know, kind of scout is Trey Johnson went to Tennessee. Your offensive scout is Charlie High who went to Tennessee and played, uh, you know, was a state record holder and two-time state champion CAK. Um, you got Brandon Lawson, Tennessee guy, Angelia Brummett, Tennessee, Scott Altizer, Tennessee. So, again, like, you know, you may not have any former Vols on the coaching staff, but you do have plenty of former Vols in the building that can, you know, say, hey, this is something we've had success in before. This is something that, that Tennessee's always done. You know, I mean, think about, like, just little things like, you know, skipping, running through the tee for the final time like they did a couple of years ago. You know? well, and, you've got, and you've got some grownups in that room now instead of a bunch of, you know, young young kids who this is their first or second rung on the ladder. You know, yeah, like their fourth, fifth, and sixth recruiting person have experience. You know, with the last staff, like it was really kind of the top couple of people had experience, and then it was just a bunch of kids. I mean, a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of inexperienced kids. All right, let's go on to iHeart Vols here. I'm not trying to push Rick out the door, Rob, but when he eventually <laughs> decides to hang it up, how attractive will this job be to establish coaches? It appears with the fan support facilities and what we're willing to pay, we should be in the tier below Kentucky and on par with programs like Florida, Wisconsin, Baylor, and West Virginia nationally. I completely agree. Rick Barnes will tell you the same thing. I mean, Rick will tell you that this, this place will support basketball. If you put a winning product on the floor, this – university this fan base the the boosters they will support basketball as well as any place in the country that's not you know duke carolina kansas kentucky and i mean i think it'll be really attractive i mean again not it's not duke kansas kentucky north carolina but it's it's right there with any anybody else i think it'll be very attractive on the bronco vol when does the ncaa plan to make a decision on whether schools can have some form of summer camps. I assume Tennessee's planning on being able to hold some type of camp this summer. Everybody's hoping it opens up in June. Uh, the NCAA is obviously going to have to make a decision on that. And, and once they do, things will get going in, in place there. Are they going to allow camps where you have four or 500 kids around or 300 kids around? I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but it just does feel like the way things are, are moving, the direction things are moving, there's going to be some kind of visits. But Coaches and programs around the country are um, putting together plans for camps in June if there, for there to be a potential regular camp season. 
Uh, the question is, when's the NCAA going to make a ruling on that? And then what kind of feeding frenzy is it going to be to get guys on your campus in a short window period of time? It's going to be, it's going to be pretty wild. There's no, there's no question yeah, about that. I, I, I think that they could end up pushing camps back if they do away with the dead period at the end of June 1st of July. Cause like if they lift the dead period for sure, like to me, like you're not going to know that till like right at the end of May, like you're going to find out like literally, and it's going to be like, okay, we're open. <laughs> and so I think if they do that to me, it behooves all schools, specifically Tennessee to have their camps if they're allowing them during what would be the, traditional dead period i'm assuming that there would be no dead period during those two weeks because normally um or near during, during that month really yeah um, july is july is dead so yeah it's the, the, the last week of june and then the, all, the first three weeks of july because high schools have their own dead period at the end of june so it would make some sense so it wouldn't take away from the high school coaches the time with their own high school teams um you know, but again, though, that would also cut into summer vacations for some and this and that. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, they've been dead for over a year. I mean, I, I don't I don't think there's a downside to open it up in July. Yeah, I, no, I don't disagree. I think high school coaches would have some issues with that because, you know, they didn't get July last year. And, and this year, they're obviously hoping to get a regular regular summer off season, regular July prep for, um, you know, for August, start of the season in August. But We'll see. I mean, the NCAA might rule on something, you know, late April, mid to late April on what they're going to do on June 1st. And if that's the case, then, then maybe you do put camps together in the month of June. I, I know there, I know every school around the country has has camp dates set in the month of June. They haven't sent anything out, but we'll send those out immediately if the NCAA makes a ruling on lifting the dead period. Now, if they wait till the last week of May um, or last 10 days of May to make that decision, then obviously that's going to be very different. Um, See, don't you think, before we go any further, don't you feel like that, that, that they, I mean, like, I think every time they've had the intention of opening it up and then they, the, the, they just don't, the, the stats and stuff don't improve enough to warrant doing that for them. So, like, don't you think that you almost have, I mean, like, they'll have to almost wait till pretty close time. Maybe they don't wait till the 30th, but maybe they wait till the 20th, you know. Point is, well, I think it'll be a quick I mean, turnaround. Maybe, maybe depends on where numbers are in, in late April. You know, how many baseball teams are going to have full stadiums? The Texas Rangers are talking about having forty thousand <laughs> yeah, people in their stands. You know, I mean, if you you know some places are going like that, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just you're right. If they wait till mid May, it's hard to put camps together in the month of June. So we'll see what happens. There. But what happens first? You shave, or there's an on-campus visit? Oh, I'm shaving before there's an on-campus visit. I guarantee you that. <laughs> No way this thing's going to keep going like this. I can. Okay, that. there, Eric. <laughs> All right, we're really de- ready to whip up a a, a, a craft cocktail. When, when, when I'm when I'm getting uh, screenshots from Steve Early of the Vault Network that have Eric O'Bannon uh, pictures during my daily life, you you know that Hubs is hit on something. The the beautiful part of that is I have no idea who that is. I thought the guy played at UCLA back in the day. That's Ed O'Bannon. Um, all right, which defensive line benefits the most from being coached, mentored by Rodney Garner? Which guy does this benefit the most? Man, that's a good question. You know, I, 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 to me, like Tennessee's – I don't know how you guys feel, but, like, I feel like Tennessee's defensive line, they're all kind of the same guy. <laughs> I mean, like, there might be one or two that might be out of shape, like, you know, um, just different guys. But, like, for the most part, I, I, don't, I don't feel like there's – 
any like real difference between those guys in a lot of ways. So I don't know if it benefits any particular one person. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I mean, I think Big O has the capability. Maybe that he Rodney Garner brings it out of him. You know, we'll see. But I mean, like, you know, I could also make a case that Big O's future is at offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at a guy like Matthew Butler Austin, or Rob, and I wonder is, is he kind of is what he is at this point. I mean, he's been here so long. Is there really a whole lot going to change in terms of his game under the tutelage of somebody new? Um, you know, you kind of wonder about that. So you think maybe a young guy, you know, is it a guy like Amari Thomas? Um, and, and I'm with you, Austin. You know, where's a guy like Dominique Bailey? You know, um, what, what, what does he look like? Um, Middleton? Middleton probably has the most talent, right, Rob? The question I was is, gonna I mean, say, if Middleton, he buys in, I'd say it would be him, right? Middleton is my answer, just okay. because I, I just think he has untapped potential. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but just his size, I mean, the measurables, it just feels to me like there's there, there's more in the bucket there that, that we haven't seen yet. And, you know, you wonder – and he's, you know, Juco guy, hasn't been here that long, had two, two different position coaches. To me, that, that, that would be my answer. Even though he's a veteran – I still think that there's untapped potential there from, from him. All right. Uh, onward, we got uh, a quarterback question. Did Tennessee offer A.J. Swain? Any other quarterbacks besides Jackson, Austin Price? At this point, um, at this point, no. It's kind of – I mean, I think Tennessee likes A.J. Swain a lot, um, you know. Um, but, you know, at this point, like, Taven Jackson makes probably the most sense because Tennessee's got more time to – recruit him and pull themselves back into the mix. All right. Um, on the basketball here, do you think any of the following are back next year? Pember, Walker, Euros. Also, how's Tennessee looking with five-star Kane Ridge's Brandon Miller? Uh, I'm not going to speculate on anybody that's not going through the draft that might transfer. I mean, I, I, I would anticipate some roster movement. There always is. Uh, Brandon Miller, Tennessee is recruiting him hard. They had him – in for an unofficial visit last year before the shutdown and talking to people, I don't get the impression that he is very deep in his recruitment as far as narrowing things down because of the lack of visits. But, um, you know, if I, if I just had to speculate right now, I would say Tennessee's you know, top five, but it's not like he's a lay down for the Vols by any stretch of the imagination. All right. On to the next hoops question. What are you guys predicting on how far this basketball team goes in the NCAA tournament? Who wants to jump in there first? Austin, Rob? If Fulkerson plays like he did on Sunday, I think they, they can make the Sweet 16. If he plays like he did, you know, the two or three weeks before that, I think they maybe come home on the after the first game. I'm going to win on it all. <laughs> I'm going all the way, Austin. I think there's a greater chance they win it all in Nashville than they make it past the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. I think that this team's going to go one and one. I think they'll win the first game, but not get a, not get through the first weekend uh, just because of their inconsistencies, not because they're not talented enough to get there, just because we've not seen them put anything together back-to-back uh, -back at this point in time. And uh, if they're going to be – I mean, as of today, what, what are they, six seed? Mostly, yeah. you know, if they don't help themselves, if they go one and one in Nashville, I mean, so they're playing – they're going to be playing somebody really good in the second game. And if, you know, if Fulgerson gives them 14 and seven, like he did against Florida, they can beat that three seed. If he gives them four points and four rebounds, they they got no shot. 
Yep, I agree with you. Do you see the NCAA changing the rule from 25 scholarships with all the transfers? I don't. I don't either. I don't, I don't see it at this point. I think that's um, one of those untouchable baseline numbers, personally. Now, we'll see what happens as everybody gets a better feel for the one-time transfer rule, but I just don't see them changing uh, the 25 rule. They might drop the 85 at some point, you know, where you could have essentially – you know, a hundred guys on scholarship, but I don't see that either. I, I think it's going to stay 85, 25 um, I, for the foreseeable future. I, I just don't see a big movement there in, in that direction. And I all. think, I mean, and I think that's a, and the reason why, I mean, as things are now, I mean, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they could, they could sign 30, 35 guys, you know, yes. I mean, yeah. and I think, the, I think the 25 rule is hard and fast. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. All right. Austin, um, how do the four in-state guys uh, – how do the four in-state offensive linemen rank on Tennessee's board? Anderson, Hood, Kudis, Grayson Morgan. I would put Kudis and Fisher Anderson at the top and uh, Hood and Grayson Morgan three and four. I would All put right. Morgan – I probably would put Morgan ahead of Hood. Okay. Um, expectations on this defense. Then he wants to know Sal Sinceri bad. The answer is they're not going to be Sal Sinceri bad. Uh, they're going to have growing pains. They're going to have issues, but they're not going to be that bad. That was that was more about incompetence than it was lack of talent when you talk about that defense. Um, you guys have may already weighed in on a thread, but would like to hear your thoughts on the Rush Probst recording. Are we surprised? Nobody's surprised by anything he said, and nobody expects anything to come from it. Yeah, I mean, the credibility of – I mean, what's his credibility factor, you know, I think is the question with everybody. And I said this in another thread. I mean, if somebody has to investigate something, then they will they will investigate, then they will take care of it in short order, and they will move on from it. And it will not become – I don't think it will become anything uh, of significant to anybody anywhere uh, in the Southeastern Conference with, with the schools that he mentioned. In the I don't think Georgia is going to dig it up. Yeah, I I don't think Rush Pro is going to be coaching anywhere anytime soon in in those in the two states he's made his living in. So I, I think he's ended that um, ended that hope for himself. So, um, but in terms of something significant coming from it, I just Rush is going to be going witness protection. Yeah, in the in the press conference with uh, Jean, how do you, how do you say it? How do you say it, AP? Are we just going to call him BJM? What are we going to call this guy? Well, I'm going to call him BJM because. Uh, it just is easier. Um, Brian Jean-Marie. Jean-Marie. I didn't – I was never very good in French. All right. Suggested that he sees a lone middle linebacker behind a four-man front flanked by either two outside linebackers or one with a 50B. Given your present roster, where do you project the two-deep middle linebacker and the rest of the linebackers? I, I mean, I don't know if they got a two-deep at linebacker. I, mean, I don't have any idea. I mean, in the middle, one would think Jeremy Banks is right there in the middle, right? You can play him By in the middle, default. huh? By default, you know. Um, so I, I mean, I have no idea how that's going to shake out. Where does Bryson Eason play? Where does McDonald play? Can Aaron Beasley play at all for this team? Um, you, you know, I, I think, as you mentioned earlier, Rob, in the podcast, I, I think that's the biggest question mark uh, on defense is just how does the numbers shake out? Who shakes out where uh, at the linebacker position? All right, on to the next one. Who's the biggest freak athlete you've ever seen on Tennessee's campus? Cordero Patterson's on the very short list. 
Yeah, I think Cordero Patterson could have played. And Keon Johnson. Yeah, Keon Johnson could have played multiple sports. Ulysses awesome. Alexander. <laughs> I'll tell you the biggest one I've ever seen on campus, he just didn't end up playing here, was Randy Moss. He slept during his visit here. And he went to the pool, right, on his official visit. He went and swam in the indoor, in the indoor uh, uh, at the uh, old aquatic center with um, people standing and watching him continuously jump off the diving board. Dane, Dane Bradshaw probably deserves a mention. Dane Bradshaw. <laughs> All right, on to the next one. Would you be interested? Would be interested to hear what you think has changed in recruiting JUCOs over uh, the years. I could be wrong, but it feels like success rates are down outside of just UT. Obviously, we probably had extreme success and more recently, pretty low rate hits. Do you think this is a wider spread trend? Maybe more so due to today's type of player mindsets across the board as well. More, more schools paying, playing near the big stage and parity all over might be the largest contributor. Um, I, I just think, Brent, that it boils down to it's, it's much easier to get kids in school. You don't see as many kids academically. Think about it. Like, I mean, back when I first started coming recruiting, and, I, and it was even way more for when you guys started doing it, you know, you just – every year you would get three or four kids that, like, were – right on the borderline and several times they'd end up being academic casualties and either having to go to prep school or go to JUCO and you just don't see that that much anymore. So now really kids that go to JUCO are ones that couldn't sign anywhere big and they chose to go JUCO or, you know, like just different, different stories. I think high schools do a better job of getting kids, you know, if, if a kid, I mean, because of rivals and everybody else, I mean, I think kids get identified earlier they're going to have a chance to be a recruitable athlete. And I think coaches and support staff do a much better job of in high school of steering those kids in the right direction academically. And I also think there's a lot more options prep school wise, other than, you know, Hargrave or, you know, Fork Union than there were back in the day where kids could take a 50 or if they need to. Yeah. And I just think, I mean, I'm with you guys. I think the, the, the academic counselors at the high school level, are getting guys on track much earlier. So it's not like a guy is sitting there second semester of his junior year going, Hey, I think I got a chance to play college ball. What do I got to do? And it's, and it's too late for them. I think the other thing that's going to affect recruiting and it's, it's just starting to come into play is the transfer. Point. I think if you're looking for immediate help, you're going to look for a guy who is, has played at the college, you know, maybe has played at the college level or was good enough to sign with a college team out of high school and you're probably not going to recruit the JUCO ranks as hard as you once did. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think with the transfer portal, that's going to change junior college recruiting a, a great deal when, it, when it's all said and done. But I think the biggest factor is what you guys have mentioned, and that's the fact that more guys are academically eligible um, coming out of high school than, than we've ever seen uh, before. I, I just think that's the way it is. Um, last, last couple here. We saw a release of all the early enrollee numbers and their pictures and jerseys, but there was no mention of Young or Park, William Parker. Is there anything there? They're still with the team. They put those pictures out a, a day or so later, right? Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, like, all those young. guys are there. I well, saw that's them. the thing. is like right now, everybody's just cl- – oh, they're putting a picture out there. Like, well, well, Williams is not a big Twitter guy. And then Byron, I mean, he's tweeting pictures of the ball walk. You know, I mean, right. like, you know, th- those guys are fine. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right, do we have enough speed in the defensive backfield to compete in the SEC, and are there any new freshmen who has elite speed? We know, we know that Jalen Hyatt – or not Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Wright 
um, has elite speed. Austin, that's not on the defensive side of the ball. We know that. We talked about this a little bit in the podcast on Monday. Um, I, I think because he knows his guys and he recruited them, I think I think Willie Martinez has got some more positivity about his group. And, and you know, I think there's a feeling that maybe that group, while they don't have depth numbers, is not as talent poor as maybe it would be perceived. Now, obviously, they'd like to have Key, Keyshawn Lawrence, and that's a big loss. But I think, Rob, because Willie Martinez knows that group, he feels a little more confident about them than probably most people thought. Yeah, he was pretty upbeat the other day. I mean, to, you know, I was I was surprised at how, you know, kind of optimistic or positive he was about his group. I mean, he didn't he didn't pour about them, which you know, or, or kind of set the bar too low, which surprised. Yeah, yep, I'm not saying he should have slammed him. I'm just saying. I mean, he was. Well, he clearly knew him. I mean, you know, I mean, he knew, I mean, he recruited Alante, he recruited Theo Jackson, he recruited Danico Slaughter. I mean, he knows those guys because he had, he had tried to recruit them. Uh, and I'd say that's probably the lone position coach on the defensive side of the ball that tried to recruit a bunch of guys in his room. I'd say more the other coaches didn't try to recruit those guys. And so I think there's some familiarity where there that probably gives him uh, a more upbeat about it. Again, proof will be when they go to the practice field. And that's coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks. Tennessee will hit the practice field and get spring practice started. Of course, we'll have tons of coverage of that, hopefully, with some access. Austin, you look like you're going to say something. We pray. We pray we do. We pray and, we know, get some access. I, I mean, that's the thing is, is like, I can make a case for Tennessee winning eight games next year. I can make a Whoa. case for Tennessee winning four games next yeah. year. Like, wow. I mean, like, you don't know. Like, no, and, and you just don't know how this, the staff's going to mesh. I mean, yeah, I think the offensive side will be fine because they've all coached together. I mean, outside of a couple of guys, and, and I think that just makes it easier to fall in line. But you just don't know. You, you don't know. I, I would have thought that the staff a year ago would, or two years ago would have ended up being, you know, uh, having better chemistry than it did, you know, um, that led into last year. So uh, until they get out there and they start practicing, they start working together, you know, no one knows. I mean, the staff chemistry could be awesome on the staff, which could make a huge – um, a huge positive for the program. Yeah, we'll see what it we'll see what it looks like and see what they are again. Hopefully, the opportunity to see them. And again, there's just so many questions that you know. Right now, it's all speculative answers that nobody knows if there's any you know what it's going to look like, whether it's the quarterback position, linebacker position, or whatever it is. I do want to add the door, throw this out for one of the best athletes to have been on campus. Where do y'all put Fortenberry? <laughs> I mean, he was on campus every day. You putting Fortenberry in, in the list? Anybody? Let me, tell, let me tell you what I think this is. Lame. <laughs> right. Fortenberry and his boy Woody Quinn. <laughs> We're gonna, oh, wow, the, beat, the volleyball guy. We're out the door on that, Neil. This has been the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.